Welcome in. It is the Chiefstone Podcast. My name is Farzim Basugan, your host of the Chiefstone Podcast, and we have a jam-packed show for you. A lot of news going on with the Kansas City Chiefs in the last seven days since we've last done an episode of the Chiefstone Podcast, and we have very little time to waste. A lot of cuts taking place with the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs released Derek John- announced that Derek Johnson will be a free agent at least uh, later this week. A big difference with that, and I'll explain why. They did release cornerback Darrell Rebus. I mentioned this at the end of last week's podcast, but we can dive a little bit more into that this week and what this really means for the Chiefs. And there was a report over the weekend, which we're already seeing the impact of it right now, about a defensive overhaul. And a lot of the veterans on this football team could be let go. We'll talk about that. Who else could be on the chopping block for the Kansas City Chiefs? And who should be worried? We'll talk about that later on in the podcast as well. Plus, some bad news for Kareem Hunt as he's been involved in in some sort of a, a some sort of an altercation that took place after midnight. Listen, uh, we all know good things don't happen after midnight. When you're out and about doing things, uh, they, nothing positive ever happens there. We'll talk about what happened. Uh, Kareem Hunt, is he in the wrong? Is he in the right? Where exactly does he fit in the situation? We'll talk about that as well. Plus, a lot of people talking about Jamal Charles possibly coming back to Kansas City. Is that reunion realistic? I'll talk about that as well. Plus, I want to give you guys my suggestion as to who the Chiefs should play in week one of the regular season. I wrote about this on arrowheadaddict.com. If you have read it, you already know who I think should face Kansas City in week one and specifically when that should happen. But if you haven't read it yet, I'll talk about it here on the podcast as well. You guys know the social media. If you're new, hey, it's pretty simple. Facebook.com slash Farzine Like and follow me on Facebook. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21 and email me as well, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. All right, let's start off by talking about Derek Johnson. And I want to spend a brief moment because I know a lot of people are sad about the release of him. And let me just say this, as a sports fan, uh, the older I've got, the more I've understood. And of course, older sports fans realize this. And any of the younger crowd who are listening to this, I know there are some Chiefs fans in high school and college who are listening to the podcast. And even in middle school, which is which is all great, of course. Podcast for all ages, no problem with that. But the thing is, you have to separate emotion from the game because this is a business at the end of the day. Everyone always wants their favorite players to live and die with their franchise. And I understand, you know, Derek Johnson, what he's meant to this franchise. And listen, I think it's worth going over real quickly. The leading tackler in franchise history, passing Gary Spanny, uh, just everything he's accomplished, going to four Pro Bowls, uh, really after a rough start during his first couple of years in Kansas City, and then being in Todd Haley's doghouse, uh, the monster game he had at the end of the 2009 season where he picked off Kyle Orton twice and returned both of them for touchdowns, uh, won a a Pro Bowl uh, MVP, defensive MVP. Uh, finally got that playoff win, but was not able to get that championship here in Kansas City. But even without that, Derek Johnson accomplished a lot during his time in Kansas City. And let's not forget one special moment from him in 2013 when the Chiefs broke the uh, sound record, the Guinness World, uh, World Record for loudest crowd noise. It was Derek Johnson's sack that allowed the Chiefs to break that record. Now, Seattle took it back, and then the Chiefs regained it, and I kind of have my opinion on that, uh, because that record-breaking moment in 2013 did come late in the game when, you know, there were less fans, more fans were leaving since it was a blowout, but hey, uh, that's how they uh, recorded it. Uh, And, uh, you know, so many special moments Derek Johnson has been a part of, and and he got that sack to have that, uh, that, that sound record there. So many... Great moments with Derek Johnson. And of course in 2010 when he really just turned his career, he finally found that turning point. And that was the same year in which he earned his first big contract in the NFL. It was a five-year deal worth $34 million. I don't know how much that would translate into in 2018 now. But 
Uh, it ended up staying in Kansas City a little bit longer, which is, of course, great. And he's really accomplished a lot here in Kansas City. He became arguably one of the best inside linebackers in the game this decade. So, uh, you know, a couple of years, once this decade period is over, certainly he's got to be considered with Luke Kuechly and a couple of others as one of the best inside linebackers that we have seen this decade. Certainly has to be on that list when that all-decade team for this past or this current decade rather comes out in a couple of years. But like I said, this is a business. And at the end of the day, the Chiefs had to part ways with him, and understandably so. And look at all the money that the Chiefs are going to be freeing up. I'll start with this. Wesley Roach wrote this for Chiefs Wire on USA Today. He writes, in case of Chiefs linebacker Derek Johnson's contract, this is one of those times it was initially reported that Johnson was set to make $10.25 million for Kansas City in 2018, but it turns out that's no longer the case. Both Over the Cap and Track have updated Johnson's contract info to take into account a contract void. Johnson's contract will void on March the 14th prior to 3 p.m. Central Time. Free agency begins the same day starting at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, and that's also likely the time where you can expect the Alex Smith trade to be official, and Kendall Fuller will officially become a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. But Roach continues, uh, this is the last paragraph I want to read from him, and this is what's interesting. When Johnson's contract voids, the Chiefs will owe him just $2.25 million in dead money, and he will become a free agent. That's the number he would have earned if the Chiefs were to cut him anyways, So the only real change is that Johnson's contract will void automatically instead of the Chiefs having to go through the process of releasing him. So I mentioned earlier, there is a difference, not necessarily releasing him, just a void contract and they're letting him become a free agent in mid-March. And a lot of people are talking about, well, he could still come back. And to be honest, at this point, I don't really see that as the case. The Chiefs put out this uh, banner on social media uh, basically thanking him and putting all his accomplishments underneath. So I I don't see any sort of reunion between the Chiefs and Derek Johnson anytime soon. I think he does come back on a one-day contract. Me personally, I'm not a big fan of those. Uh, To me, what does that even mean? Uh, Because realistically, we know, even though it's a one-day contract, we know you did not actually play or do anything. All you did is sign a piece of paper for one day. But, you know, that's that's a player's choice if they want to go about things that way. So, here we are right now. And at this point, look at how much the Chiefs freed up in cap space with trading Alex Smith and releasing Darrell Rivas. $21.5 million freed up in cap space. And when you look at Tom Bahali right now, if they release him, they can free up $7.6 million more in cap space. If the Chiefs do that, trading Alex Smith, parting ways with DJ, and... Releasing Holly and Revis, that'll free up a total of $37.1 million. And considering the level of production that we've seen from Derek Johnson the past couple of years, uh, he's certainly not worth the money. Same thing goes for Tamba Holly. Certainly not worth the money. And Tamba Holly set to make, I believe, more than $9 million for 2018. And I thought he, there was some time he got pressure on the quarterback last season, but you're not seeing that on a consistent basis. At the end, the pressure's nice, but the knockdowns and the sacks are, are, are more prominent stats, and we didn't see any of that from Tom Bahali last year. Now, here's another thing to look at. We talked about the overhaul with the age, and I also said I do want to go into Darrell Revis, uh, his release, a little bit in detail. But let me just read you this first. Derek Johnson, he's the oldest player on the Chiefs, or was the oldest player on the Chiefs, 35 years old, barely passing Dustin Colquitt, also 35, and also set to become a free agent, currently without a contract. Tom Bahali is 34. Smith was 33. Darrell Rivas is 32. I've just named the the five oldest guys on the team. Four of them 
have either been released, will become a free agent, currently without a contract, or have been traded. And the one guy who's on the team right now is Tamba Ali, the oldest player on the team, and all signs point to him being released by the Chiefs very soon. And considering that it's February the 15th, less than a month away from free agency, we're gonna know uh, we're gonna know a lot soon. What's gonna happen with Tom Bahali? But not just him, but a couple of other guys who could also be on the chopping block as well. But before I get to that, let me talk about the Derek Johnson release. Because to me, if the Chiefs are releasing Derek Johnson, that says a lot about what they think about who they have right now on the current roster, and maybe someone else that they have an eye on through a free agency or the draft. Looking at the current inside linebackers for the Chiefs. You have Reggie Raglan, who came strong uh, late in the season, started to do really well for the Chiefs, especially against the run, was really one of the only players who you could really think of that did well in stopping the run. Another player to keep an eye on, Ray McWilson. He's had some flashes the past couple of years in Kansas City, but never on a consistent basis. Kevin Pierre-Lewis, this is a guy who is set to be a free agent, did get into some trouble Recently, so it's uncertain what the Chiefs are going to want to do with him. Uh, Okimi Iligwe, also on the roster. Another guy to consider a player who the Chiefs drafted in the fifth round. Maybe he's somebody who can get the call and will see more playing time in 2018. Certainly, they're going to see what he's capable of doing in OTAs and minicamp and in training camp. And, of course, the preseason games. So, there's going to be a, a very interesting offseason for Iligwe. And in terms of... The fact that there is a wide open spot right next to Reggie Ragland, assuming Ragland's going to be one of the two starters at inside linebacker for next year. So there is a lot to really look forward to. Uh, a lot of guys that are definitely going to be competing for that wide open spot. Uh, again, Wilson's a guy who, who started a lot of games there. Leagueway, a guy who the Chiefs recently drafted. So some players to certainly consider at that spot. Now, I also mentioned Darrell Rivas was released and... There are some viable candidates to replace him. Now, certainly Kendall Fuller, I did mention, uh, would it be a good idea to promote him to being a number two cornerback full-time or have him stay at the slot cornerback position and have somebody else carry those number two honors? Well, of course, Steven Nelson, they tried that same thing with him but didn't do too well after being one of the top nickel cornerbacks in the league a couple of years ago. Terrence Mitchell... When he joined the Chiefs late in 2016, he certainly was one of the key players in helping the Chiefs finish strong and eventually finish the season with a 12-4 record, winning the AFC West for the first time since 2010. And he's certainly a guy that I think could be a candidate to start opposite of Marcus Peters if they decide to keep Kendall Fuller at the slot corner position. Now, when I say that, I think people tend to take that a little too seriously because... Sure, I mean, a guy might line up outside, then might line up inside as, as a slot cornerback. So these guys get shifted around quite a bit. It also depends on how the offense lines up, if there's an audible. But for the most part, that's how they would they would line up in most plays. So there are a lot of interesting guys who you could look, look up to and say, okay, this guy could be elevated or get a promotion. I think the two guys that I definitely have my eyes on, Terrence Mitchell and Steven Nelson, two guys who, again, have... Made some key plays for the Chiefs, and more specifically in 2016, were not very good in 2017. These are two guys that I think need to have a very good offseason. They definitely need to impress the defensive coaching staff, Bob Sutton, and the rest of the staff if these guys want to stick around much longer. And of course, don't forget about their position coach, Emmett Thomas, former Kansas City Chiefs, one of the best defensive backs to ever play the game in the Pro Football Hall of Fame and a Super Bowl champion winning with the Chiefs in 1970 over the Vikings. So there are some good coaches that they're surrounded by. And certainly these guys have every reason to do well. So it's going to be very interesting to see how we see this whole cornerback dynamic work out with Peters, Fuller, uh, Steven Nelson, Terrence Mitchell. How much time do those guys have left here in Kansas City? I'll get back to Steven Nelson later on because his contract number is very important as well. So there are a lot of guys that the Chiefs seem to... If the Chiefs are very confident in letting go of Darrell Rivas, again, I was slightly surprised by that because 
I mentioned this last week, uh, you can never have enough defensive backs, especially in this pass-heavy era that we're living through right now in the NFL. But the Chiefs still feel very confident with Bob, or excuse me, with Darrell Revis, despite being very familiar with Bob Sutton's defense. So they decided to let him go and move on with what they have in Marcus Peters and Kendall Fuller soon to officially become a Chief. Looking at the rest of the list for Kansas City, as far as some of the guys they have with age, Cam Thomas, defensive lineman, 31 years old, set to be a free agent. Frank Zambo, 30 years old, set to make $1.27 million. Not too much, but again, when you look at Tom Bahali, how much he's making, I think the Chiefs will want to part ways with him and move along with Frank Zambo or maybe find someone else in the offseason to replace him. But Frank Zambo not making too much money, uh, not t- taking up a lot of cap space. Uh, in terms of what he's doing with his production. This one's a very interesting one. Ron Parker, 30 years old, set to make nearly $7 million in 2018. Is he worth that much money? And I've said before, I think he's a very underrated safety in the NFL. But for that price, $7 million, I can understand if the Chiefs want to get out of his contract in some shape or form by trading him, restructuring the contract, or if they decide to just Go ahead and release him, depending on how much of a cap hit they would take from that. Here's another very interesting one. Justin Houston. 29 years old, and he currently has a cap number of $20.6 million. That is way too much money for a guy like him who has not been in his 2013 and 2014 form. Of course, in 2013, he and Tom Bahali... Both, uh, I mean, they, they led the NFL in pass rushes, uh, quarterback hurries, before they both suffered their injuries. And in, 20, in 2013, it was basically a battle of two uh, as to who could get to the quarterback first between those two players. 2014, we all know the story there. Justin Houston came one sack away from shattering Michael Strahan's single-season sack record. Justin Houston, I know he's gone through a lot with the knee injury, and this was his first full season coming back, but this is not the same Justin Houston that we once remembered in 2013 and 2014. So to say to say that this guy's making $20.6 million and still a lot more money left in his contract, this is going to be very interesting to see. Now, Pro Football Talk did release an article earlier this, actually shortly after the Derek Johnson release, saying that he will not... Be let go by the Chiefs. And I posted it on the Facebook page. And a lot of you guys asked, why are you posting this? Why is this news? Well, look at how much money he's making. $20.6 million. That is a lot of money for a guy at 29 years old. And for the level of production that he is providing, it's certainly too much. But maybe the Chiefs are confident that he could go back into his 2014 or 2013 form. Certainly not out of the question. uh, But given what we've seen in the past couple of years... Uh, not a lot of confidence, for, at least from me, that he would be able to do that. If he has a 15-sack season, I'd be pretty happy with that, and I think he's certainly worth the $20.6 million if he can have that kind of a season. Here's another interesting one. Daniel Sorensen, the safety, a guy who filled in quite a lot, of course, in Eric Berry's absence, and Ron Parker, of course, uh, splitting time in the backfield. Uh, saw a little bit of Eric Murray in 2017 as well. And when you look at Daniel Sorensen's contract, he is projected to make $4.8 million. That is his cap number for 2018. And 27 years old, not not necessarily old, old, but at the same time, uh, that is a lot of money for a guy who, yeah, I don't want to say, for the job that he did filling in, I thought Daniel Sorensen did a good job. But at $4.8 million, I think that is certainly a question mark right there and something that Brett Veach, the general manager who's been doing some work lately for the Chiefs, that is something that he definitely wants to take a look at. And I mentioned I want to go back to Steven Nelson, the quarterback, 25 years old. He is set to make a little bit more than $2 million. So there's a lot to consider. And of course, considering what John Dorsey has done uh, in the mess that the Chiefs got themselves into with the cap situation, firing their cap guy and eventually firing John Dorsey, there are a lot of hefty contracts here 
And listen, nowadays, a lot of people are making a lot of money. So is this part of the norm or do the Chiefs really feel like they have a valid reason as to why they should restructure some of these contracts or at the very least, just go ahead and release some of the guys who are making maybe a little bit more than they should. That is something that Brett Feach is definitely taking a look at right now. And certainly later this week or over the weekend or early next week, we'll definitely see at least a couple more changes with the Kansas City Chiefs. I would certainly expect at least one more change by the time we do a podcast next week. But uh, this certainly shows you how serious that report was that came out over the weekend about a possible defensive overhaul and how serious uh, Brett Veach is about trying to take care of this cap situation that the Chiefs got themselves into and trying to put the Chiefs in better position to make a free agent splash, but maybe even extend some of the guys that they have right now on the team. Guys like Marcus Peters, if Kendall Fuller can do a great job uh, in his first year with the Chiefs, certainly they would love to keep him around for a long time. When you look at some of the guys the Chiefs have right now, guys like Tyree Kill, Kareem Hunt. Now those guys still have a couple of years left on their contracts. Kareem Hunt, three years left. Uh, Tyreek Hill, two years left. Marcus Peters, though, this is going to be the final year of his rookie contract. He's had three years in the NFL, going into his fourth year now, and he's done a very good job in his career. And considering what the Chiefs have been doing lately by parting ways with Alex Smith, trading him, and also moving on from Derek Johnson, they've been freeing up a lot of money, not just for this year, but also for years to come. And that puts them in better position to extend guys like Marcus Peters, Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt, if they so choose so, if they continue to play at a high level. So not only are the Chiefs freeing up so much money, and again, if Tambahali, if they release him, we're talking more than $37 million in cap space freed up. Certainly can make a free agent splash this season. Maybe... You try to extend some of the guys you have right now, certainly an option, but again, we'll see where the Chiefs decide to go with that. A lot of options that you can do with that $37 million. A lot of things you can do with that. And for Kansas City, not only for this year, but also, like I said, for years to come, being able to free up all that cap space for future seasons as well puts you in a better position to try to retain some of these guys. You definitely don't want to lose a guy like Marcus Peters, who has been tabbed as one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL the past couple of years. Certainly don't want to lose Tyreek Hill, especially after the production he had on offense last year for the Chiefs. And Kareem Hunt, it's just one season right now, but you if he continues to go at the, at the level he's, he's playing at, you definitely don't want to let go of him. Uh, certainly you've had a lot of good luck with guys like Priest Holmes, Larry Johnson, Jamal Charles, and you definitely want to continue to have that. I know the running game is not as strong in the NFL nowadays compared to, what, 10 years ago? But the Kansas City Chiefs, found a lot of success by having a strong running game, and they want to be able to keep that for years to come. And hopefully, whether it's a guy on the team like Spencer Ware or Chuck Kendrick West or maybe somebody else that we get in the future, Kansas City will want to get that viable number two running back to play alongside with him to be able to keep that strong running attack going for years to come. Some crazy stuff. I know I threw a lot of numbers at you guys. But this is what a general manager always will go through. They've got a plan for the near future, but also for the long run, too, for years to come. And that's the job that Brett Veach is trying to work for right now and doing a really great job at it. All the money that he's freed up and everything he's been trying to do and still some work to be done. A lot of people certainly have to be impressed with the job that Brett Veach has done. I know letting Derek Johnson move on, that's not a popular move by all means, because, you know, everyone's always going to think emotionally first and everything that he's done. But realistically speaking, from a business standpoint, Derek Johnson has not been very productive the past couple of years for the Chiefs. And because of that, they had to make this move. They had to make this move a tough move, but it's a business move and it is the right move for Kansas City. One big story I want to talk about that came out over uh, or earlier this week, rather. And this, we've got to be very careful when we discuss a topic like this. So, Kareem Hunt was involved in a very odd incident over the weekend. This report came out on Monday. So, Kareem Hunt and a couple of his friends, I guess they rented a party bus on Saturday night or Friday night. 
Uh, yeah, it was Friday night because this the uh, the the sketchy stuff all occurred Saturday morning, which technically Saturday after midnight. People still call it Friday night. That's still part of their night, but you get the idea. So the, they had a party bus Friday night, and they came across a couple of people. I guess a couple of girls who were claiming to be Kent State students. And we're not honest about their age, is my guess. Uh, so this this girl, 19-year-old girl, Abigail Ottinger, I believe is how you pronounce her name. Uh, I, it was, uh, after the whole party bus deal, they went back to Hunt's apartment. Uh, I, I mean, they, they spent some time at a place called The Nine at a Cleveland hotel. It's, at a, it's, a, it's a bar at the at Cleveland hotel. And uh, they went back to Hunt's apartment in the Metropolitan at at the Nine. So, I guess at some point, and the report says 3.45 a.m., Hunt was accused of shoving and pushing Abigail Ottinger. And the reason it got to that point, again, according to reports, Hunt and his friends found out that this girl was 19 years old, underage, and that she should not have been around them or having any drinks. And listen, I I understand a lot of people want to do the cool thing and not necessarily get them in trouble. Uh, because, look, we, we've all been in those situations in college where we've been around people who, you know, they're, they're at a party, they're drinking under 21. I transferred to KU when I was 21, so I was, I was never in any personal trouble with this, but... Uh, you know, I, I've been around, of course, people, and I had known people who had fake IDs, and this was, look, no mystery. I, I'm sure law enforcement is well aware that they were even surrounded by people who have fake IDs, but there's no way of knowing for sure. Uh, but that's a topic for another time. Uh, certainly people don't want to get anyone in trouble and bust them and report, hey, there's a young person here. So I think the route that Kareem Hunt and his friends tried to take... Just from reading this report, they tried to tell her to leave. She, I guess, was not complying or listening to them. And at this point, when you're in someone's property, uh, when you're at someone's place and you're not willing to leave when you're being asked to, uh, those kind of situations can get ugly, especially at 3.45 a.m. and when alcohol has been consumed. Uh, Look, folks, I'm not breaking any news here. Things just don't go well in these situations. And... Uh, I'm not saying pushing and shoving was the right thing to do. I don't know if that was done in self-defense or if this was all done in anger. What the situation was leading up to that, that is currently very vague right now. And that is right there. There there are no reports of this. So we've got to be very mindful of these kinds of things and make sure that we're talking about the facts that are reported right now. So this apparently went on for 30 minutes, uh, yelling and knocking on the apartment door, uh, all according to the report on Cleveland.com. So let me just say this, because uh, just reading through the article one more time, uh, there really aren't a lot of other details other than the fact that Ottinger called for police. They all called for police, uh, according to the report. Uh, Dispatch log Logs said that Ottinger was, quote, very anxious for police to arrive, but was, quote, uncooperative. So, uh, listen, I don't think anyone was in the right here, again, according to reports. Let me just say this, too, because a lot of Chiefs fans are so quick to defend Kareem Hunt. Why? Because he's a player who led the league in rushing and is on their team. He's a player on my favorite team, so I've got to be quick to defend him. And I think that's the wrong thing to do in this situation. I will not rule out the possibility that Kareem Hunt could have done something in the wrong here. And maybe he could be the person that suffers some consequences here. Now, it is worth noting, I haven't said this yet. It is worth noting that Kareem Hunt was not arrested nor charged. Nobody was charged in anything here. So this is still an open case. It's still being investigated. The Chiefs, I'm sure they're doing their due diligence and trying to figure out what exactly happened and... Who's at fault for all of this? So to say that Kareem Hunt is completely... I, I've seen people say, oh, I met him uh, I met him before a game or I, I met him at a, at a signing event. He, he's a chill guy. Listen, I, I've met Larry Johnson a couple of times 
Uh, I, you know, I met a couple of other players who have. I, I've come across KU players uh, back when I was covering the Jayhawks. I've met some some players who seem like really cool dudes, but these are also the same guys who were out and about getting into trouble, getting into fights at bars in Lawrence late at night. So, uh, and I'm not saying that's the kind of person Kareem Hunt is, but do not tell me just because you met a guy and he seems cool that there is absolutely no no uh, possibility that he could have been in the wrong here. So we can't really comment on this a whole lot. I will say this, the good news is, if Hunt was not charged nor arrested, it doesn't seem like there's anything that he could really get in trouble for. Now, here is a lesson that Kareem Hunt needs to absolutely take in and just consider in the future. If you're going to go out and hang out with people, make sure you know who you're hanging out with. If you're going to, let's just say you're going out to Westport or Power and Light, you come across people who you've never met and hey, sure, you hang out, you get to know each other, exchange numbers, you you become friends, great. But if you're meeting someone for the first time at night and then you talk about the possibility of driving to different places, now it, now it comes to the point where you're in the car with somebody who you do not know. You don't know if this person is absolutely chill or could absolutely be a buzzkiller for the night. Then you bring him back to your place, and again, that's another risk there. So there are a lot of things to consider here for Kareem Hunt. And I say Kareem Hunt specifically because he is, of course, a pro football player. This is a guy who led the NFL in rushing yards. And there's there's no question that there are people out there when they know that there is somebody that they're hanging out with who's a prominent figure, like Kareem Hunt, they'll certainly do anything and everything to try to get this guy in trouble and maybe get some money out there. That's a possibility, too. And there's also a possibility that maybe Kareem Hunt did something he absolutely should not have done and could be in the wrong here. There are a lot of unknown things right now with this incident. So we've got to be open-minded about, about everything. Just because he plays for your beloved football team doesn't mean this is a guy that absolutely can never get in trouble ever. I'll, I'll say this. When Danny Duffy was... When the reports came out that he was driving under the influence of alcohol uh, in Overland Park... So many Chiefs fans were quick to defend this guy. If this was your neighbor or just a Joe Schmo driving under the influence in Kansas City, uh, you know, if KZTV5 puts out a story about that on the Facebook page, everyone's going to attack the guy. Everyone's going to call him a schmuck and that he should be thrown into jail. But if it's Danny Duffy, Royals fans were so quick to defend this guy. Same thing I'm kind of seeing with Kareem Hunt. He gets into a... Very sketchy situation, but Chiefs fans are all very quick to defend him and say that he he's absolutely uh, in, uh, not in the wrong here. Like they were almost there when they saw the whole thing happened. But if this was an Oakland Raiders player who was involved in, in this kind of altercation, and if, if Chiefs fans read the headline accused of pushing and shoving, oh, Chiefs fans absolutely would be quick to judge and say that this guy should be suspended and be fine and all these other things. So listen, let's be fair here. You guys know me. Any For those who have listened to me for a long time, you guys know I've always played the fair card here. Let's again, let's let the, let, let's let the whole thing play out here. I'm sure Cleveland police, they will do everything to try to get to the bottom of this and try to find the facts at the end of the day. Surely there's more that they can look into. Security cameras, other witnesses that could have been around when things were occurring. They have a couple of witnesses who they talked to, according to this report. But at the end of the day, uh, I do think as sports fans, we feel like we have such an obligation to just quickly defend uh, a player uh, that we like just because he is a player on our favorite team. And at the end of the day, I think, you know, would we would we say this about, you know, just uh, uh, the average person if they get on the news for something like this? Not that it's newsworthy because they're not a prominent figure, but if, if, if the media was to report every single incident like this, everyone would be very quick to judge the guy and say that he should be thrown in jail for pushing and shoving a woman. So th- there are a lot of things that we've just got to be mindful of here and understand that, you know, maybe Kareem Hunt could be in the wrong here. Maybe he's not. And I saw Matt Verderami of SB Nation uh, or I, I don't know if it's SB Nation, or I believe it's fan-sided, uh, he came out and just 
wrote a similar tweet saying that uh, Chiefs fans just completely ruling out this woman's claims uh, is, is kind of laughable, and I, I agree. Uh, I don't doubt that maybe Ottinger has some sort of a case here. Maybe she has a reason to be in the right. Now, I will say the fact that she is 19 and was out uh, partying with people over the age of 21 and involved uh, with drinks, this article doesn't necessarily say she was drinking, but, you know, if a 19-year-old is is on a party bus and going to bars with people over 21, I think it's safe to say she may have consumed some alcohol and she could get in some trouble there. So there are a lot of things to to consider here. And yes, that is a train near my house. I don't know how well this microphone picks that up. Maybe I, I just brought up something I didn't even have to bring up. But yes, there are some, uh, some railroad tracks near where I live in uh, lovely Olathe. So if you guys heard that, if you, some people may be listening in their cars. Trust me, a train is not following you. That is near my house. But with that said, we we we've just got to be we we've always got to have an open mind with these kinds of situations. I I know I mean I hate it. I don't like to hear about a running back a, a new running back on my team getting into I don't want to say trouble, but just he's involved in this. And again, let this be a lesson for Kareem. Look at the Ezekiel Elliott situation. He's fairly certain, and the Cowboys are too, that he's not in any trouble, but he put himself close to a woman who put him in this situation. Even if you're innocent and you're not in the wrong, the fact that you are involved in these kinds of things, it still goes against you. That is how much trouble Kareem Hunt is in right now, which isn't much. But if it continues to come out that he's involved in these kinds of situations... The Kansas City Chiefs are going to have to look into this and say, hey, look, even though you're not getting into trouble, we keep hearing reports about you involved in these situations. And that was the example I was bringing up earlier. If you're out and about at PNL or at Westport, you know, be very, you've got to be careful with who you, if you just meet a, a, a person or a couple of people for the night and you want to, you know, leave the venue and go somewhere else with them. You know, you've got to be very careful with that because you never know who you're going out with, especially when alcohol has been consumed. And you've just got to be aware of your surroundings. This is what Kareem Hunt's got to be aware of. There, listen, there's nothing wrong with being out and about at 3.45 a.m. If you don't have work the next day, if, you, if you're of age, you're allowed to do whatever. Now, as I mentioned in the beginning of this uh, segment, talking about this this topic... Nothing good usually happens past midnight, especially when people have have, have been drinking. So uh, hopefully in the future, Hunt, considering the fact that he is probably going to be an even bigger name for years to come, he's, he's he, hopefully he's careful with who he's around and who he's parting with, because if it's going to be, if someone who he does not know is with him in this group, in future, in future parties or whatever, it could one day come back to hurt him really badly. Hopefully not the case. Because, hey, look, as fans, we need these players. We, I mean, we want to root for our team, and we want our team to be available at their best. So hopefully for Kareem Hunt that, you know, hopefully he doesn't get involved in situations like this as well as other players. And we all talk about distractions. Yes, it's the offseason right now, but in situations like this, investigations, sometimes they can... Take a long time. Sometimes they don't take a long time. Hopefully this can all be over with by the time OTAs or training camp uh, gets underway because you don't want to hear a story about Kareem Hunt possibly having to be involved in some sort of a hearing or going to court when it's getting close to kickoff. You certainly don't want to have that situation to deal with later on in 2018. A couple of other things I do want to discuss. Uh, First story that came out Earlier this week, a lot of talk about Jamal Charles possibly reuniting with the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm just going to say right now, I, I'm not really for that. Now, we've got to consider the fact that Jamal Charles did say he wanted to stay in Kansas City and he was willing to restructure his contract. And John Dorsey, as we know what he did with the Jeremy Macklin situation and with Jamal Charles, uh, John Dorsey did what he did. Now, maybe Brett Veach can look at that situation and say, hey, look, 
this is different management now. We can certainly consider you and take you in for a different price. Maybe that happens. But certainly I wouldn't expect Jamal Charles to have a big role with this football team. If he is coming in as a backup to Kareem Hunt, sure, the idea of it sounds fun. But I don't know how realistic that really is. Jamal Charles doesn't really have a whole lot left in in the tank. We saw what happened with him in 2016 with the Chiefs. In 2017, his run in Denver was really forgettable. And at this point, uh, it's going to be hard to convince an NFL team, uh, if you're Jamal Charles' agent, that he should be picked up for 2018. Maybe on a one-year league minimum, certainly I think a team would be willing to take that, but he's also got to prove himself in OTAs and training camp and and try to not get cut. He certainly would be a guy on the roster bubble this offseason if he does sign for a league minimum because uh, that basically means that they're taking a risk and they want to make sure they have him for a cheap price tag. Uh, otherwise, they'd be stuck with them for the season. And, and and teams always want to be cautious with their spending. Look at the Chiefs and how they're trying to restructure everything. It is a business at the end of the day. Sure, Chiefs fans love Jamal Charles and everything he brought here in Kansas City. But uh, at the same time, this is a guy who's who hasn't really shown a lot of production in the past couple of years. And that is one very important thing you've got to be aware of. Maybe the Chiefs work him out and they see something different this time around. And if they're confident in that, hey, look, uh, do what you need to do. But as far as my prediction goes, I don't see that as a realistic possibility. Before I wrap up here on the Chiefs Zone Podcast, one other thing I do want to talk about here, and I wrote about this at arrowheadaddict.com, the Kansas City Chiefs should play a certain team in Week 1. And the NFL absolutely has to make this happen with their scheduling selection team. The Kansas City Chiefs and the New England Patriots must play in week one on primetime football. Whether it's Monday night, one of the two Monday night football games in week one, or on Sunday night football, schedule the Chiefs and the Patriots in week one. The NFL will not regret this one bit. What do NFL fans love when it comes to, I guess from a hatred standpoint, they love to see the New England Patriots get smashed. Everybody celebrated the Super Bowl when they saw what Nick Folds was doing, he was basically outplaying Tom Brady in this game and outpassing him, outcatching him, everything. And all the Patriots haters went wild from that. And what NFL team out there has not once but twice destroyed the Patriots in regular in the in their last two regular season meetings? The Kansas City Chiefs have. So if the NFL wants to draw in a lot of ratings for one of their first few primetime games, it would be very wise to schedule the Chiefs and Patriots on Sunday night or Monday night football. Originally, uh, like like a lot of you guys, I thought for sure the Patriots were going to win the Super Bowl. And I had an article ready at arrowheadaddict.com and I had it ready to say that the Chiefs and Patriots should open up the NFL season for the second year in a row. There is a huge backstory to this, folks. There definitely is. Even though Patriots fans, they they don't care so much about the regular season losses, there is no doubt in my mind that Patriots fans, they'd like to get a little bit of of revenge on on, on the Chiefs. Come on, who wouldn't? The Chiefs have been the the two teams on different occasions, 2014 and 2017, who have demolished the Patriots, and the Chiefs created a storyline as to whether or not Tom Brady is done. Now, sure enough, both years, the Patriots went on to the Super Bowl. However, at the end of the day, there's no doubt in my mind that all the Patriots haters out there will tune in in hopes of seeing the Chiefs smash the Patriots once more in the regular season. Because you may not get a lot of laughs at the Patriots, and this would be one opportunity to do so early in the season. So if I'm the NFL, I make this happen. A lot of backstory here. How, how do the Patriots, how do they bounce back after a tough Super Bowl loss to a backup quarterback? How do they rebound in 2018? Tom Brady, once again, playing another year in the NFL. How much does he have left? How does he start the 2018 season? Same with Belichick. How much longer could he coach for? Pat Mahomes, a new quarterback coming in. This is essentially going to be his rookie season. And how about this? This would be his first major test as a primary quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. What a start that would be to his career. So there are a lot of things to look for. If I'm a Chiefs fan, 
I would root for this. I know generally we want to see the first game, the week one game, be at your own home turf. But I would love to see the Chiefs and the Patriots play in week one. That would mean playing in Foxborough. I'm okay with that. Because, hey, look, as a Chiefs fan, you shouldn't be afraid to see the the Patriots uh, or, or the Chiefs go play in Foxborough. Play the Patriots there. And certainly, you know the Patriots, they'll probably have some sort of a brief celebration to celebrate their 10th AFC title as a franchise. So ESPN or NBC, depending who has the broadcast, they'll probably show a little bit of that in pregame and then add that to their storyline. This is a team that has uh, brought in their 10th Lamar Hunt trophy. And here's the team on the other end, uh, who of course Lamar Hunt owned for many years. So, so many storylines from this. I definitely think the NFL needs to make this a week one primetime game on Sunday night or Monday night. Let me know your thoughts on all of this. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugi and Twitter.com slash Farzine21. Email me as well, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. A lot of topics we covered here. Talked about the releases, the overhaul going on with the defense so far, the Kareem Hunt situation, how much trouble is he in right now, how much trouble could he be in uh, as we wait for the for more facts to come out, for more evidence to come out, Jamal Charles, do we want him back here in Kansas City? And are you for the idea of the Chiefs and Patriots playing in Week One on prime time? And let me just say this: even if they don't play in Week One, the NFL would be crazy to not schedule these two teams on prime time because the last two times these two teams have played in the regular season, they have played on prime time. 2014 Monday Night Football, we know what happened there. The Chiefs just destroyed the Patriots, and they forced. Bill Belichick to pull Tom Brady from the game. And then, of course, last season in the opener, the most shocking opener in NFL history in which the Chiefs stunned the Patriots. And boy, what a start that was to an NFL season. Definitely stunned a lot of people. And a lot of people love to see the fact that the Patriots started off as the worst team in the NFL, being the only 0-1 team for a couple of days. Uh, so let me I'll say this, too, to wrap up that subject. Even if it's not a week one primetime game, these two, for a fact, will play on primetime football sometime in 2018 if it's not in week one. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. Hey, it's funny how things work out sometimes. Of course, the Colts were supposed to get Josh McDaniels as uh, their head coach, offensive coordinator of the New England Patriots. Instead, the Colts, instead of getting the offensive coordinator who lost in the Super Bowl, the Colts end up getting the offensive coordinator who won in the Super Bowl, Frank Reich, who is now, uh, unexpectedly of course, but hey, uh, things worked out. He is now the head coach of the Philadelphia, or excuse me, the Indianapolis Colts. So the Colts, who were supposed to end up with the offensive coordinator who lost, they got the offensive coordinator who won in the Super Bowl. I say this all panned out just great for the Colts. Everything happens for a reason, right? Well, that's what ended up happening here. Uh, Dan Orlovsky had a very funny tweet. He says, this could be similar to when you hear the story of a guy who got engaged, but for some reason the wedding didn't happen. He marries someone else and they're celebrating 30 years happy. Blessing in disguise. And by the way, Reek spent his first four seasons as a coach with the Colts, an assistant coach that is. So it's fitting for him to return to the team that first gave him an opportunity in the NFL as a coach. And now he's coming back this time as a head coach. So it could be very cool to see. Certainly very interesting to see how that goes for Frank Reek. One other thing I wanted to talk about here, 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo uh, was traded from the Patriots. And the 49ers and Garoppolo have agreed to a five-year deal worth $137.5 million. That is the biggest deal in NFL history on an average per year basis. Now looking at Jimmy Garoppolo's stats, seven touchdowns, five interceptions, and uh, what was five starts. Now one of those touchdowns, he played six games. Uh, he played at the very end of the Seattle game, uh, where he just threw a touchdown late in the game. It's essentially garbage stats, so keep that in mind. But in the five games that he started, the 49ers went from a one-win team. They beat the Giants 
Then they won out the final five games of the season. A team that probably could have competed for a top five pick in the draft or, or even the number one pick. Now here they are. They know who their quarterback is and they could, they still have a, a high pick. They can use that on something else. So funny just how everything really, again, similar to the Colts situation, just worked out for the 49ers. They had no idea who they were going to end up with as their quarterback. And of course, Kyle Shanahan ends up with Jimmy Garoppolo. A good move made by Lynch from the front office for the 49ers. And here they are now. They know who their quarterback is. But the money is just way too much for a guy who did it on five games. I get it. He went 5-0. and But listen, what kind of a deal is Nick Foles going to end up with? If Jimmy Garoppolo can win five regular season games, Nick Foles won three playoff games, including a Super Bowl. What kind of a deal is he going to end up with? And what about Patrick Mahomes? What if Patrick Mahomes does well for, for two years? Is he going to be in line to just hit the bank and break whatever contract record is out there for a quarterback? Quarterbacks are just breaking contract records every single year. It was Derek Carr first, then it was Matthew Stafford, and now we see Jimmy Garoppolo getting a, a, a record payday from the, from the 49ers. This is just starting to get out of hand here. It really is. And it's going to hurt the 49ers down the road. Look at the Chiefs and everything that they're trying to do in clearing up cap space. All the players that they're moving on with. The 49ers at some point, and um, this is if they pull a John Dorsey and go crazy with their cap, and they're not very smart with it. Uh, if they go off like John Dorsey, down the road, they're going to have to restructure some contracts or just move on from guys, let them go. Similar to what the Chiefs did with Alex Smith. Hopefully, it's not the case for Garoppolo because it seems like he's he's found a home now. But man, uh, these contracts are getting out of hand and players are, players are in the driver's seat now. They have all the leverage in the world for just success in a short period of time. And it's going to get out of control with the NFL. Not sure how it's going to happen with what the salary cap is going to be in in future seasons, but uh, they're going to have to raise that bar a little bit because if not, teams are going to find themselves in a world of hurt with their with their cap management, similar to what the Kansas City Chiefs were going through recently. And now they're in a better position now with all the uh, all the money they have freed up. Hopefully, the 49ers don't hit the same wall here, but. It's this is just a start. If they have another big name player or two, and they have to put a lot of zeros in the in the check just to keep them, uh, it could be uh, it could be a bad thing. It'll lead to some problems down the road. Let's go out of bounds. All right. So the NBA trade deadline was late last week. Let's look at the Cleveland Cavaliers and what they did. They traded Isaiah Thomas and Channing Fry to the Lakers. Traded Jay Crowder and Derrick Rose to the Jazz. Uh, Ian Shep- uh, Shumpert went to the the Kings. Dwayne Wade to the Heat. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I want to pull up the Cavaliers roster right now, but I feel like the only person I would recognize is LeBron James. I don't even know. Do they have a, a, a starting five anywhere? Do they have five guys that they can start? Uh, listen, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about the Cavaliers and their struggles, and I said, they'll bounce back. They will, but boy, was I wrong about that. I thought they'd be able to do it. I just didn't think a LeBron James-led team would have these kinds of issues, but man, did they just pretty much roll over here and trade all of their good players. Uh, I, I guess I guess I'm just shocked that they, that they did not trade LeBron James and try to get value out of him. Uh, I don't know. Uh, kind of shocked by all of that, but... There are going to be reports every year about how the Lakers are in contention to get LeBron James. Once again, now because of this trade with Isaiah Thomas, it could lead to LeBron going to Los Angeles. And also Paul George uh, going to Los Angeles for, what, the third, fourth year in a row this has been talked about. So uh, every year, uh, the Lakers are always going to be in contention uh, to seriously get LeBron, but we'll see how it turns out. Maybe this year seems more likely than before, but again, uh, I don't think you can ever count out some of the other teams out there. Other thing I want to talk about 
Uh, a couple others, actually. Uh, the Jayhawks. They have, of course, won, what, I believe 13 straight regular season titles. I think I said 12 on a previous podcast at one point. Got that wrong. Uh, listen, even as a KU fan, I get it wrong sometimes. But listen, can we just be honest about something here? Because they're regular season trophies. And I understand the landscape of college sports is a little bit different than pro sports. Like, if a team wins... Uh, the AFC West, like if the Chiefs won the AFC West 13 years in a row, but if they didn't have a Super Bowl, and then I know KU has a title from from these 13, but 13 division or conference titles, it's just the best in your in, from your team in the regular season. Uh, I, I really don't see any value as a sports fan, and I, I'll say this: I'm more of a pro sports fan than a college guy. Yes, shocking as a KU fan, but. Uh, listen, uh, first of all, KU looked terrible against Baylor over the weekend. Now they bounced back against Iowa State. Didn't finish it in the most pretty way, but a win's a win. Uh, but over the weekend, KU fans were panicking about how they're not going to win the regular season Big 12 title and they won't be able to break the record. Are KU fans really freaking out over regular season? As a KU fan myself, I'm panicking and hoping that we don't have another early exit. Like we have had for so many years. And I got a lot of hate for this on social media. Not that it bothers me, by the way. I actually love it. But uh, someone tweeted me and said, Well, Bill Self's never had lower than a four seed uh, with KU in the tournament. And I said, Great. If he's never been lower than a four seed, then how can we have so many of these early exits with him? Uh, listen, let's not make any excuses about how the NCAA tournament is full of upsets. KU's consistently been involved with upsets. And it shouldn't be that way when a team like KU, a program like the, the Jayhawks, in basketball, they have high standards. And KU has not been able to meet those high standards so much because there have been so many early chokes for KU. It's not good. Not good at all. Speaking of chokes, there could have been some chokes involved in this one. The Kansas City Mavericks. Yes, I'm talking about the Kansas City Mavericks on this podcast. They were involved in a full-out brawl. We don't. Uh, now, listen, I'm not a big hockey fo- guy. I'm starting to get into it more and more. My, my brother and I, we've been watching it a lot lately. And, of course, with the Winter Olympics, I've been, I've been following it uh, as well. But, man, uh, I, I just don't know if this is common at the minor league level. Um, again, I, I'm not a big hockey guy, so it may be a dumb question coming from me. Uh, but damn, this was a good fight. Uh, the goalie for Toledo, he went at it and pushed a couple of the Kansas City guys. So the Kansas City goaltender, he leaves his area and goes after the opposing team's goalie. And they just go at it and the crowd goes nuts. Now, unfortunately, this was not in Kansas City, but... Man, I don't think those fans in Toledo care. They were just happy to see this full-on brawl. Uh, listen, uh, I know in sports, uh, referees try to break it up. In hockey, it's, it's encouraged a little bit. But, man, this is fun to watch. Uh, it's online. I shared it on the on, on my social media pages. Facebook.com slash Farzine and Twitter.com slash Farzine21. So check it out if you haven't. It's one of the most shared things I have ever put out there on my Facebook page. And a lot of people definitely... Loved it. Reacted to it. Uh, boy, uh, I want to. It makes me want to go to a hockey game. I've yet to go to a Mavs game. I've been to a hockey game at the Sprint Center, one of the preseason games with the Blues. I've never seen a regular season hockey game. Definitely want to do that. And uh, let's be honest here. People talk about all oh, sportsmanship and you know looks bad on the play. Come on, this is a fight here. Have a little bit of fun enjoying this. All right. I, I mean, look. We're talking about football and hockey, the two sports where you just see guys go at it physically so much. So, hey, look, uh, scuffle happened and uh, some guys threw punches and there was a brawl. Hey, what else is new? Uh, I I don't know if this is common at the minor league level, though. I really don't. Someone let me know if that's the case. Uh, Because if not, uh, that was a rarity, I guess, for minor league hockey. Final segment of the show, let's throw a couple of penalty flags. So you guys may remember, and I've, I've uh, I shared, you know, the personal story I got with Alex Reamer. I took a couple shots at him. You guys may remember I shared the story about WEEI's Alex Reamer and uh, just the 
moronic comment he made about Tom Brady's daughter, calling her a pissant. He's not the only WEEI radio host who's under fire. Another W... I don't know what it is with the station. I don't know what it is with the culture of the station, but another WEEI host. This time it was uh, Christian Fourier, a former Patriots player. He has been suspended for racially stere- for his racially stereotyped impression of Tom Brady's agent, Don Yee, who was Asian. Once again, WEEI, excuse me, prides itself on controversy. Is that the station's agenda? Because I, I really don't get it. I listened on the day the whole Alex Dreamer thing went big because I was just curious to know, how are they going to respond to it? Are they going to dodge it? And they weren't dodging it. They, they took it. They embraced the whole conversation. Oh, that's all they discussed on the Monday before the Super Bowl. Um, but here's the thing. I listened to the audio Fourier. What he said wasn't even funny. Uh, making this Asian impersonation, basically. I mean, look. It's basically, you know, stuff you've heard on South Park before, okay? Yeah, I'm not going to play the audio. And then, the, you know, the other thing about the station is that the morning guys and the afternoon guys love to attack each other. I don't know what takes place uh, when the microphones are off air with this station. Uh, I, I mentioned Alice Dreamer's been suspended a couple of times. He uh, threatened to... Reveal information about a co- about a colleague's uh, alcohol problems. I mean, what is going on? Like, I as someone who has worked in radio before and has, has enjoyed it, I don't know if I would really enjoy working at a place like WEEI. I really don't know because it seems like they're attacking each other. They're they're attacking kids. They're mocking Asians. What is the deal here with WEEI? And why is it that you know we've heard this? phrase before as kids think twice before you speak and that rule has to apply to people who work in in the media especially broadcast media where you've got an on-air sign where you've got a microphone in front of you and you've always you know what i've always learned about media uh, in radio never cuss if you're on tv or on the radio because there's a chance that your microphone might accidentally be on and if it is you know, make sure you know what you're saying. Make sure the things you say you don't take back. Here are guys on air making just lucrative comments. And again, is, does WEI is is this the goal to garner attention off controversy? I don't know. Uh, I'm not in Boston, so I don't listen to this often. I've, I've asked a couple of people from Boston, and they they say that's why I listen to the other station, 98 the Sports Hub, I believe, is what it is, 98.5. Uh, Boston's got two big radio stations, by the way. WEI is one of them. And listen, if I'm Tom Brady, do I even want to go back and do another interview? First, they attack his daughter. Now they're mocking uh, and doing ra- racial stu- uh, racially mocking the uh, Asian agent. I'm not so sure if Tom Brady should ever go back and do a station with that interview ever again. I really don't. First your daughter and now your agent. And listen, I know the daughter is, of course, more important, more closer to him. But these are people who you've got relationships with. First the family relationship with that WEI is attacking. Now a working relationship person. Um, this is just not good for WEI. I don't know what these people are thinking uh, when they say these things. It wasn't even funny. The co-hosts are laughing like it was the funniest joke they've ever heard in their entire life. And it was terrible. Terrible impersonation. It wasn't even funny. Like I said, it was just a stupid joke that you'll probably hear on a South Park episode over and over again. Come on. Speaking of broadcasters, Colin Cowherd mentioned this. And I don't get it. Why are figure skating announcers whispering during the Olympics? I've been following the uh, the Winter Olympics quite a bit. Last time I... um, the Winter Olympics was taking place. I was a KU student still. This is my last year at KU. And a lot of the events took place earlier in the day, in the morning and in the afternoon while I was in class or, or, or working. So I never had an opportunity to really follow the Winter Olympics. So I'm definitely embracing it now uh, since I have the opportunity. And they're on in the evenings more, so it's easier to watch for me. Uh, but I, I, I didn't realize this. Uh, and I guess it's because I uh, d- didn't see this in the last Winter Olympics, but... 
Why are the announcers whispering during the figure skating? Colin Cowherd tweeted this. Uh, if you can skate backwards in a formal outfit, perfectly timed to the music, jump and spin a couple of times in the air and land flawlessly, a quiet voice several feet away won't bother you or make a negative impact. And I agree with him. I, I just don't see why you have to whisper uh, during any of it. I remember when I was announcing KU basketball games at Allen Fieldhouse when we had a player at the free throw line. I was kind of nervous to speak because the place was silent. And I kind of looked around and I realized I was the only one talking. I don't think it really, I don't think anyone ever cared or noticed really, but it does feel weird when Allen Fieldhouse is silent for a home team's player to, uh, to while he's shooting a free throw and you're the only one talking. It, it does come off a little, a little weird, but listen, at the end of the day, players, athletes, they're all taught to not care about any outside noises. Doesn't matter if, if uh, fans from the home crowd there maybe just one idiot in the home crowd a drunk guy is making noises to try to ruin a guy at the free throw line they're taught to ignore all that so I don't know why figure skater announcers are are whispering it's okay you can talk we need to hear you anyway alright I know I'm over with the music but I gotta get to this one uh, after the KU Iowa State game I had my TV on and I was watching the start of the Michigan State-Minnesota game. The centers for both teams suck. I don't care if Michigan State's ranked number two. That center sucks. They did the traditional tip, as usual, at midcourt. Neither center won. Ball hit the floor, they redid it. When they redid it, the ball hit the floor again, and Tom Izzo visibly upset that, after two attempts, his center and even the other center failed. Neither one could get the opening uh, tip there. Every position counts in sports, as we all hear. But really, two centers when they're so tall and big at five, you know, six, ten, six, eleven, seven foot, whatever their heights are nowadays. Like, out of two attempts, neither center could win. And you can even hear the announcers chuckling from that. That's how bad it was. That'll do it for this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. Big thanks to all of you guys for downloading and listening to this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. I'm Farzi Vesugian. Interact with me on social media, facebook.com slash Farzine Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Email me, Farzine, at Farzinevesugian.com. If you haven't, subscribe to the podcast. Share it on social media. Let your friends know. Helps the podcast out greatly. Appreciate all of you guys listening, even during the offseason. Seems like it's going to be a very busy offseason for the Chiefs. So stick around. Stay tuned. Stay subscribed because we're going to have a lot to talk about. This offseason, for sure, with the Kansas City Chiefs already off to a crazy start, and it's only continuing for the Chiefs, and we'll be talking about it here on the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Until then, enjoy your weekend. Talk to you next week.